Welcome to Psalm 94. In this psalm, the psalmist touches upon the theme of vengeance and God's justice. Now, justice is very important to each of us, isn't it? In fact, the desire to get justice is one of the most innate human needs. Let me give you an example. Imagine that Adolf Hitler had been found alive hiding in Germany and was brought before a judge and all his crimes laid one by one. But at the end the judge says, "I see what you have done Hitler, you have indeed murdered millions of people, but I also think you have learned your lesson, so I'm going to let you go." He bangs the gavel and he cries not guilty. Are you going to sit there quiet? Are you not going to protest and seek for justice? Would you not express an outrage of emotions? Of course you will, wouldn't you? Likewise, the psalmist does something very similar here. He is aghast at injustice being done. For example, the wicked speak boastfully as if no one will judge them. They take advantage of people without any restraint. They crush people as if they did not matter. They ill-treated and exploited the widow, the orphan, and the foreigners and the strangers. The land that belonged to the orphans was snatched off from them, and they were cut off from their inheritance. And they even murdered these people for their gain. In short, the ethical health of the people of God had fallen so much that instead of protecting the vulnerable, they exploited and crushed them for selfish gains. And the psalmist says in verse two and three, "Rise up, O Judge of the earth; render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked? How long will the wicked triumph?" Now I think this is a prayer a lot of us are making in different parts of the world where injustice, crime, exploitation, etc., are the norm of the day. And we all praying, Lord, would you not rise up, O Judge of the earth, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs? Would you not shine forth, render punishment to the proud? Lord, how long would the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? But also in this prayer are few very important things for us to notice. First one, the psalmist acknowledges that the vengeance that is retributive justice belongs to God and not to us. We are not to take vengeance upon our hand no matter how evil things are around us. Second, the psalmist acknowledges that the Lord we serve is the judge of the earth. Yes, he is the judge of the earth. That means he sees more than we do and he knows more than we know and he is a God of justice. Third, the psalmist prays and prays hard in the belief that God will fulfill his office and will render punishment for the wrong that is being done. Yes, of course, those who do evil do it thinking that the Lord God Almighty does not see anything, does not hear anything. And the psalmist asks in verse eight, "He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct?" Then he goes on to say, "You who think God does not see, God does not hear, you are fools. You are senseless people. You are short-sighted, and you are indeed ignorant." The Lord indeed knows the thoughts of man and he knows that they are futile. In other words, one may think as if no one knows and no one judges, but God surely will. He sees what we cannot see. He knows what we do not know, for he is indeed the mighty judge of the earth. Yes, God is the judge. But you know what? often time the trouble is is not about the judgment of god but about the timing of his judgment what troubles us is not the judgment of god but his timing and here is where i think we are often tempted to take vengeance upon our hands but you know what god reserves that right too the right to judge in his time belongs to god he deserves to be our judge and he also reserves the timing of his judgment 
You see, why is it that as human beings we long for moral justice to prevail? Why is it that we are outraged when we see injustice happening around us? Why is it that we seek justice for crimes? It is because God we worship is a just God who is a jealous God about injustice being done. And because we are made in His image, we too reflect this nature of justice and we seek for justice in our own spheres. And may I also say, as God's people, we must stand for the widows, the orphans, the marginalized, the ostracized, and be counted in for the battle for truth. We are called not to be spectators, but active participants in the mission of God. And when we do so, God will stand with us. He will fight for us, and He will not let our foot slip. He will defend us. But remember, the results may not always be as we wish it to be, but that does not mean we do not engage at all, we do not involve at all. Yes, at times evil may seem to prevail, but we do not give up. We fight with the presence and the strength of the Lord along with us. But may I also say, something drastically changed with the death of Jesus on the cross. Sin, which was the violation of that which was right, demanded justice. Sin called out things to be set right, and the justice of God was met on the cross. When penalty for sin was to be paid, God did not relent. He willfully gave His Son so that we will be set right with Him. And this of course changed the course of action. From retributive justice that is based on punishment for wrongdoing, we move to what is called as restorative justice, which tries to restore relationship. A story that shocked the nation happened in 1999 on 22nd January when the Australian missionary Graham Staines with his two sons, Philip, then aged 10, and Timothy, then aged 7, were burned alive while they slept in their van in Manoharpur, a village 250 kilometers from the state capital of Bhubaneswar, India. Retributive justice demanded that the perpetrators of the crime be punished, and exactly this is what the Lord did, gave life imprisonment to those who did the crime. But Gladys Staines, the wife of Graham Staines, rather chose restorative justice by forgiving the ones who killed her husband and her two sons. Gladys says, because of forgiveness, I hold no bitterness towards the persons who killed my family. Yes, we are called to engage and stand against all crimes made against human beings, for we believe every person is made in the image of God, Imago Dei. But we are also called to forgive and let go of those who sin against us. Now honestly, this is the most difficult thing to do. But Jesus our Lord is the greatest example to us, isn't he? To those who caused him much harm, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Of course, the book of Revelation reveals the justice of God in all its glory during the end times. But till then, the psalmist says, Blessed is the man whom the Lord instructs, whom the Lord teaches out of his law. For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment will return to righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. So shall we, with the strength of the Lord, stand for those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, those who are ostracized, and pray for them and ask for God's justice to prevail, and may His kingdom come, and may His will be done. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, it is such a clarion call to stand for those who cannot stand for themselves, stand up against injustice and exploitation and crime, to be a voice to the voiceless. Yet at the same time, let me not forget to forgive those who act unjustly against me and against the community of God. Yes, of course, vengeance belongs to God and not to us, and in your time you will judge, O Lord. Yes, you deserve to be the judge, and you deserve the time to judge as well. 
At this moment, I pray for the widows, I pray for the orphans, the migrants who are strangers in many lands, and to all those who are oppressed, may you have mercy on them, and may you enable your community and your church and we and us and me to stand for each one of them and to pray for them. In Jesus' name I ask, Amen. Amen.